This episode of Film Pulse is brought to you by Spoilericity. Spoiling the spoilers without spoiling you. Head over to spoilericity.com to check it out today. Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 126. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing okay. I think I did that little... Kevin! <laughs> He's in rare form today. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, this week we'll be reviewing Michelle Gondry's latest, Mood Indigo as well as the science fiction film The Reconstruction of William Zero, which is screening at this year's Fantasia Fest. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I think it's my turn this week. Uh, I had uh, a, a pretty decent week. I started off with Under the Skin. Oh, this is This is one that... Oh, boy. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it forever. And I just finally got around to it. It's out on DVD and Blu-ray right now, as well as uh, video on demand services directed by Jonathan Glazer. And I got to say, I loved this movie. I loved every fucking minute of this movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. I did it as well. is the way that they did. And I knew a lot about it going into it. Uh, the, especially the striking visuals. I, I had, I knew that that's what it was going to be. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah. It was, what I didn't know is just how entertaining this movie would be. Uh, I thought that it was going to be kind of one of these just super abstract, experimental, you know, weird movies. And it is to a certain degree. But a lot of times with movies like that, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow comes to mind. For some reason, it they kind of bore me sometimes. Like yeah, sometimes I, I feel like bored because I don't know where it's going and I don't know what the purpose of any of it is. It's one of those things that is, they kind of wear out their welcome after yeah, a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but I didn't feel that with this. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Uh, the, I think that a lot of that has to do with the incredible score of this movie. It is tense. This movie, even the scenes where she's just driving around <laughs> looking for dudes, is so tense. You're just like, oh my tension. god, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? A lot of tension. And uh, I loved all the, the hidden camera stuff. I thought it was great. Um, I have a hard time believing that a lot of that stuff was like real, like candid. It, apparently it is. You can sort of tell by the way the cameras are set up too. But yeah. I do have a, a difficult time people, you know, with people not knowing who Scarlett Johansson is. Yeah, that was that was one thing, and I, I take it that that's one of the reasons they gave her that accent, which I didn't think she did a great job with the accent. But I think I think she did a good enough job that it didn't take me out. It didn't movie. take me out. No, no. That's what I was just going to say. That, but it was, that was kind it of was, a minor quibble. It was kind of odd when like, she finally spoke. I'm just like, why? Why, <laughs> did she, why does she have an accent? Yeah. I think that they, they had to do that to try to mask her identity more. Because she, 
it's not like they did crazy makeup to make her no. look different. She looks like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that's what I mean. I have, I have a hard time. You know, you were able to find that many people. I bet they, I guarantee you that they drove around a lot and had a lot of people be like, hey, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I'd like to, I, guarantee I, I, I hope that those are on the, uh, on the DVD. I you hope know, so like too. Deleted That'd be awesome. Guys just hassling her. But I mean, at one point, like, what are the odds that you're going to find somebody first and then have that interaction with them and have it work out the way you want it and then get them sign on to do what they do in this movie? Yeah. I mean, well, I think it helps that it's Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, but still, I <laughs> wouldn't do that. These guys are just like, let's do it. I wouldn't. I'm down for whatever. I'd be like, no. I'd know. I Sorry. I'm not going to do full frontal in this movie and walk into a pool of black goo. <laughs> oh, man. Those scenes, though, the way that they did that is just something. Those scenes were so incredible. And then when they finally showed, you know, underneath. What happens yeah, to them underneath. To him, that's, that stuff just, looked so amazing. It's just I, I just, I can't say enough about this movie. I, I loved it. Plus the ending. What did you think of the ending? I thought the ending was great. Uh, the The effects work in this movie is really good. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And I loved all the effects that they did there at the end. I thought it looked crazy. I just, I loved, my favorite part of it is just the look on the guy's face and how they slowly mm-hmm. swivel the camera around. So you don't really know what the hell's going on, but you can tell by his face that it's majorly fucked up. And it's just the tension in that little scene. It's like, oh my God, what is it? What is it? And then when you finally see it, you're like, wait wait a second. What's going on here? And and we talked a a little bit about this earlier this week off the air when I first saw it. And Mm. I think that this is a perfect blending of everything you like in a movie and everything I like in a movie. Just, you know, smashed together in this great, artistic, disturbing it's so brilliant film. So, I loved it. It's so unsettling, but I thought I think that that was the biggest, the biggest benefit. Uh, the what Glazer does with ambiguity in this movie is just perfect. It's like the perfect amount where he just leaves it open ended for interpretation. Like you can go anywhere with this movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can come up with anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can come up with your own theories about and now I just what's want, going on. I want to watch it again. Watch it was it. interesting because I knew I knew what it was all about going into it. Like I don't know if that was supposed to be was it was that supposed to be like a, a twist? What's that? What's like? <laughs> no, I guess because it or? says it in the it, it says it in the synopsis. No, too. yeah, no, no. The the ending, ending. I think is more of a twist. That was Obviously. yeah, that was interesting. But uh, either way, cool. uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly, highly recommend checking out Under the Skin. Like I said, it's available on pretty much any platform at this point, except Netflix. It's not on there yet. No, it's not. I don't think Netflix can handle it. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> Call them out. I watched something that is. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, oh, I, I just oh. wanted. I just wanted to real quickly mention the the scene with the baby. It's uh, <laughs> really intense. Uh, it is. Uh, so I guess kind of it's it's a warning to people that this is a very intense, unsettling movie. Yes, that was extremely disturbing to just have that baby sitting there 
screaming and wailing. Yeah. Either way. Oh. Uh, go ahead. Oh boy. I watched a movie that's the complete opposite of Under the Skin. The Weekend from. Yeah, uh, I did not know that this was the guy that directed like Notting Hill and Hyde Park on Hudson. Changing Lanes for some reason he did that. Morning Glory. <laughs> Morning Glory. Yeah, I didn't know that. The only thing I knew was Jim Broadbent's in it, so I immediately signed up because it's Broadbent. But he, for whatever reason, he's one of my favorite actors. And the way that this film is sort of, you know, thrown out there trailer-wise is that it's like this, you know, marriage drama, but it's kind of lighthearted and fun. And it's really not. It's actually like extremely sad but there are you know bits and pieces of some some fun love and comedy in there and it's about you know an old couple that have been married for a while and their marriage is falling apart they go to paris for sort of like a to like rejuvenate their marriage try and get it back on track and it really doesn't go that well and it's fantastic up until jeff goldblum shows up for some reason he's like an old friend of jim broadbent and Everything after that point is just a mess. It just mm. completely ruins the great feel that the movie had. It's, you know, this wonderful realism to it. And it's just switching between all the different emotions. And it's doing it brilliantly. And then Goldblum shows up and just ruins everything. And it's not his fault. It's just he shouldn't have been there in the first place. It just ruins the entire movie. Because everything just gets contrived. Extremely so. And then you just lose interest. So it was disappointing in that aspect. It's a really great movie up until that point. Mm. But uh, there's a, like I just love the chemistry between the two, the two leads, Broadbent and uh, Lindsay Duncan. They they feel it feels so natural. It feels like this is a couple that's been married for as long as they have been. It's just again, unfortunately, it turns into a contrived mess once you throw Goldblum in there. Once the old Goldblum craziness gets in there. That's right. Is he crazy in it? He's, is he, well, is he's, he Jeff Goldblum? He's Jeff Goldblum. It's just Jeff Goldblum playing Jeff Goldblum. That's enough for me. Yeah. it's. I don't... I, don't I mean, know. I won't be checking this movie out. I don't out, know cause... if Jeff Goldblum can play anyone else besides himself. I'm th- I'm At like, this I'm point, trying, I don't I'm, think so. I'm like, I'm trying to go back through his, you know, recent roles, and they're all Jeff Goldblum. Which I'm perfectly fine yeah, with. Yeah, I because I, I, I love too. it when he's on Portlandia and selling knots. When he works with when he works with Tim and Eric. When he's selling knots. For whatever <laughs> reason, just the idea of Jeff Goldblum <laughs> selling knots is the greatest thing in the world to me. Yeah, the only other movie I saw from Roger Mitchell was Venus. That was the only one I saw. Venus. Never heard Never of saw Notting Hill, never saw Morning Glory didn't see Changing Lanes. I might have seen Changing Lanes at some point. Yes, I did. I did not. I have never seen any of his movies up until now. I saw Venus in the theater, if you can believe that. Why did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I was playing it. I was playing it one of those, uh, the independent cinema, and I just went to see it. I don't know why. Hmm. It was, it was kind of, I think it, it got a lot of buzz at the time. Like Peter O'Toole, I think, was getting nominated for an Oscar or something for it. Oh, okay. Okay. So it had a lot of buzz. And the odd thing with, for this movie is it's it really worked for me because it is a lot like my marriage. Mm. Like, I'm if you watch this, I am Jim Broadbent, <laughs> essentially to a T. Like, he acts, 
exactly like me. It was kind of odd. It was really odd, actually. Because just every time he would do something, my wife would be like, oh my god, he's you. <laughs> I like to think of you as, as the... Uh... As the Paul Rudd character in I Love You, Man. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a mixture of Jim Broadbent and The Weeknd, or at least that's how I'll be when I'm older, mixed with Paul Rudd from I Love You, Man and Jim from The Office. <laughs> that's my mathematical makeup. Oh, I love it. Uh, I saw Dead Snow 2 this week. I was a big fan of the first Dead Snow. Now... You Is know that the, like a marriage drama? Yeah, uh, <laughs> a marriage of sh- of sorts, <laughs> a marriage of horror and comedy. Oh, I like those marriages. Uh, this is a great marriage of horror and comedy. So it picks up exactly. It picks up right after the first one, and it, the first one basically is kind of a. I don't want to say it's a spoof, but it's kind of a, a riff on just the the zombie genre in general it's about a group of friends that go into the mountains for a ski weekend and they find a box of gold and it turns out that it's nazi gold and when they take the gold it brings back it resurrects a platoon of nazi zombies okay who, so the gold is tied to mm-hmm. nazi zombies yeah they steal their gold gotcha. and it brings them back and they just get killed one by one and there's uh-huh. one survivor and as it turns out in this one at the end of towards the end of the first one he has to cut his own arm off uh-huh. you know similar to evil dead there's a lot of evil dead references in the first one gotcha and in the so he has to cut his own arm off he gets away it picks up he's in the hospital in this one Turns out the doctors thought that the arm that was located in his... He crashes his car at the end. And it turns out that there was... He cut the arm off of a zombie or it got severed because it was like hanging on his car as he was trying to get away. Oh, no. And it got cut off. The doctors thought that it was oh, his no. arm. So oh, they geez. they put the zombie arm on him. Oh, jeez. And it ends up giving him superpowers basically he has super strength and he has the ability to resurrect dead people and what they do with that in this movie is incredible everything in this is cranked up to 11 everything about it it one-ups everything that was in the first one there's tons more zombies it is ridiculously over the top gory and bloody and horrific and it is so much fun. They are even less serious in this one than in the first one. Like everything, like they don't take anything seriously. It is all just like there's a scene where the zombies go to this World War II museum and they find a <laughs> tank. And in order to get the tank running, they find a tourist and they disembowel him and they take his intestines and siphon gas out of a car using intestines. To fill the tank with gas. Then they take the tank and run it to, to this like small oh, village that's uh, nearby. And there's yeah. a scene where it shows like a bunch of kids playing in a sandbox. And they run them all over with the tank. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so not only they, they're resourceful zombies. And then the, yeah. And then the funny thing. Yeah, they're like, 
they're smart zombies. Like they're intelligent. These are these are intelligent Nazi zombies. And it's called here in the state. I think they retitled it "Dead Snow: Red versus Dead." Yeah. So the I don't know if they discuss it in the trailer, but basically what he does to fight this army of Nazi zombies is he creates his own army of Russian zombies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, it, and it's like this all out zombie war. It is incredible. <laughs> there is one aspect of this movie that brings it down. And that's that they introduce these three American characters into oh. it. And because at one point he's, he's kind of on his own at first and he's just like, I don't know how I'm going to fight these zombies on my own. I need help. And he calls, he looks online and he finds this like zombie <laughs> hunter society or whatever. And it's yeah. three Americans. One of them is played by Martin Starr. Okay. From Silicon yeah. Valley. And they come over and this is a Norwegian film. And uh, they help him, but it's just so pointless to add them. Like, I don't know why they were in the movie at all. They weren't funny. Every time it would cut to them and their little story, I would be bored and just want to go back to the main guy. His name's Martin in the movie. Because all his stuff was great, and he was really funny. But all the American stuff was terrible, which is really unfortunate. I I don't really know why. Like, maybe they were trying to put the Americans in there to market it more I was gonna in say, this country make it make it a little more appealing i think that's what it is because <laughs> the director uh tommy ricola he is the same guy that directed that hansel and gretel movie with jeremy yeah. renner yeah so i don't know if that has something Some to little, do with it sometimes you just got to get that martin star power in there <laughs> really elevates your movie well i like see I, I like martin star i think he's really I like funny but his character in this movie just wasn't it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But either way, I highly recommend Dead Snow 2. It is super fun. It is crazy and over the top. I will have a full review for this up on the site okay. soon. I've been wanting to see the first one for a while. Yeah, I believe the first one's still I, on Netflix, so I think it's about time I take care of that. Yeah, the first one's the first one's really fun too. This one's more of a, an action movie than a horror movie the first one kind of focuses more on the horror elements where you know they're they're in a cabin in a remote cab and they're being hunted by these nazis picked off one by one in this one it's just like all out craziness there it's not really scary unless copious amounts of blood and gore scare you do they have a um because you said that he makes his own army of russian zombies does is there like a montage where he gets like his ragtag group together? Not really, that, not oh, really. Because the way that it work, the way that it works is they're all all the Russian zombies are they're all buried in like a mass grave, and he brings them all back at once. But there is a wheelchair zombie in this. <laughs> I love that people are getting on board with this wheelchair zombie. Well, what happens is it's a wheelchair person and they get killed and then he brings them back as a zombie and they're able to walk again. But throughout the movie, it's kind of like a running gag where this one person keeps getting killed over and over. Like they get run over by the tank, they get they get stabbed and shot 
and he keeps bringing them back over and over <laughs> again. Like there's a scene where they get stuck in the mud, their car gets stuck in the mud and they need to stick something under the tire for traction. <laughs> so they put, <laughs> they put the guy, the zombie underneath the tire for uh. traction and then as mm. soon as they get the car unstuck, they bring him back to life. Oh, my goodness. It's ridiculous. It's, it's... <clears throat> this is just, this sounds like a fun time. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Can't, can't recommend it enough. Mm. I watched Cronenberg's uh, Scanners. Oh, Scanners. I, pro- I promised it last week and I delivered. You did deliver. Watched some but, Scanners. But did the movie deliver? It did not. This was highly <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> disappointed. <laughs> I was I was all re- ready to go. I was I got myself extremely pumped for scanners. Well, I was just expectations were high going into this one, and man, did it fall flat. This I is mean, you got really two you got two aspects that work brilliantly. The practical effects are absolutely amazing. There's no denying it. They're amazing, and the music. I thought the music was fantastic. Really added a lot that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and I especially loved the artwork of the Benjamin Pierce character, mm-hmm. the deranged scanner that sort of fends it off by channeling into his artwork. I enjoyed that, but everything outside of that is just awful. Stephen Lack is, I feel bad, but he is just terrible. <laughs> he is absolutely awful in this movie to the point where like every time he would say a line i just laughed i would just laugh now ironside on the other hand i thought he was great he's always great i thought he was fantastic he was the only one in this movie to me that felt like a professional actor everyone else was just amateurs and the story is just the story is awful it's so bad and at first i thought like oh okay this is going to be kind of tongue-in-cheek but he seems to take it very seriously throughout which i i think really hampers it because it's such a laughable plot and it's so poorly developed. I mean, just two seconds thinking about it, you just find find yourself with a plethora of plot holes. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. I saw this movie not very long ago for the first time and I remember almost nothing about it. Yeah, it's it's such a great premise. It just feels like there's so much that you could do with this and they really did nothing with it. I mean, and you don't they're like what are the motivations for these people like Revic wants to start he's creating new scanners that are even more powerful than he is why why would you do that that renders you useless i don't know they're gonna take over and you're gonna be shit out of luck because they're gonna kill you right off the bat and then if you have a whole world of scanners what the fuck does that what good does that do everyone's a scanner and they're just they probably all just immediately go crazy because there's never silence because you're just scanning constantly <laughs> and there's no reason to scan because you can all scan you no one has a one up on another person it's pointless it's true it's fucking pointless and then there's they, they throw in twists and stuff and it's just like oh my god they they do it so terribly and it's laughable and it's just awful but a guy's head does explode so you got that that's like the big that's like the famous big famous that's, scene the that's head exploding which i mean that whole scene is if you just think about that for a second the thought process behind it and how it fits in with the plot it's just terribly executed 
I think yeah. that, like, generally, this is one of Cronenberg's more popular movies, but it's certainly not one of my favorites of his. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, if you take the head exploding scene out of it, would people like it that much? Because that's all I saw. Like, when I'm going through and... Because I, did, I didn't really like it, obviously. So, like, I'm looking through and I'm like, why why do people hold this in such high regard? And that's all I find is people just like, oh, my God, the guy's head explodes. It looks amazing. And it's <laughs> like, that scene lasted, like, five seconds. This movie, there's so much more going on that's not good, except for I did enjoy the end. The way that they did that and how they ramp it up with the music and everything and how his eyes just go white, mm-hmm. that was amazing. And I wish that it just stopped there. But then they add some stuff on the end of that that just renders it useless. And when he was plugged into the computers from the phone booth, that mm-hmm. entire scene when they you know self-destruct it, that was amazing. Just those three things. Everything else was I thought was terrible. I think you should check out Shivers. That was one of Shit. that's that's one of my favorite. That was Cronenberg's first movie. Okay, I'm gonna go Shivers and The Brood next. These are my next two. I I really wasn't that into The Brood. It was okay, I guess. I just I like the idea of the I just like the idea behind it. It's it's okay. Inter- it's interesting to me. Hopefully, it's better than Scanners. You also have to see Naked Lunch. That was another one. That... I do want to see that as well. There's a lot of Cronenbergs that I need to see. I think I've only seen two. Scanners. I saw 19. <laughs> Cosmopolis. Yeah, I saw 19 I of his movies. I didn't like either one. But man, those, I miss practical effects so much. They're so much more fun to watch. Oh yeah, I agree. It's, they're just amazing. Amazing people that sat around and tried to come up with ways to make heads explode and to make it look real. Like how is that not the best job in the world? I agree. I completely agree. Any movie that has practical effects gets bonus points for me immediately. That's correct. I think I even mentioned that in my upcoming Dead Snow 2 review, that a lot of the effects work in that movie is practical, and that will get bonus points. Yeah, I want to see a a huge comeback. Get away away from those computers. You know, it's funny funny because I feel like we are seeing more practical effects, but then... I'm going to use this to transition to my next movie. Like, I just saw The Purge Anarchy this week, and very little practical effects in that. Like, CG blood everywhere. And it looked terrible. So, Mm. The Purge Anarchy. This is actually... People were liking this movie, but I did not. Uh So, I don't know. I think that people were just hoping that it would be uh, just better than the first one. And it is. And so it, it is so people are just they're, they're just relieved that. i think they're just, <laughs> they're just taking that and going with it the the thing is there's like five movies built into one here so okay. where the first one didn't do enough with the concept of the purge the purge anarchy does too much there's five characters in this movie and there's three separate storylines that converge and none of the characters are interesting. They're all completely flat. And it plays out sort of like the Warriors. Okay. Like a like a dumbed down version of the Warriors, where this these people, these five different people, they all happen to be stuck outside during the purge, 
Oh, that's the worst place to be during the purge. They find each other and get together and protect each other and they try to just survive the night. So they're kind of... And then they're having like these different groups of people that are purging, kind (laughs) of hunting them and trying to kill them. But then... Uh. But then there's this whole separate plot line involving this kind of militant group that's rising up against the purge and it's like led by Omar from the wire and it's just so it's so weird. It's like there's multiple movies built into one and it just does it doesn't work to me. It just doesn't gel. Because towards the end there's this whole sequence where like they're being hunted by these rich people and it turns into surviving the game, but then like the the revolutionaries come, and it's there's too much. the The political overtones in this movie are uh, really Whoa. overt. They're, they're trying to put. Wait, he tries to throw in some like political commentary. It's yeah, oh oh yeah into the purge anarchy. It's all about, oh, and they just they hammer you over the head with it. It's all about. The 99% versus the 1% and how the the government secretly designed the purge to sort of cleanse the lower class because they know that the lower class people can't afford, you know, they're in, they're in worse neighborhoods and they can't afford these high tech security systems to keep them safe. And it's a way, and there's more that, goes into that i don't want to spoil anything but there's more to it than that that sounds that sounds terrible yeah that and, and they just all types and there's terrible. there's an entire subplot that that revolves around two of the characters uh are mother and daughter and the mother's father does something in the movie near the beginning that feeds into this idea and it's mm. uh completely unnecessary and it, a lot of this movie could have been trimmed down yeah you, you know what i would do if i lived in the purge i would have a business that just cleaned up dead bodies <laughs> you know how much fucking money you would make like the day after the purge oh yeah like, yeah you'd be raking it in oh yeah i'm sure that the, there probably are companies that do that i mean it would be a mess oh yeah like, man you would be so busy but again, you would, be, I, you would be busy the whole way up until the next purge. I will. I will say that it is better than the first one. It's slightly more entertaining. It's certainly more ambitious than the first one, and it is pretty much what I wanted in the first one. But there just wasn't enough of it. There's this great montage. They show part of it in the trailer where the sirens go off, and you know you hear these kind of ominous sirens everywhere and then they do this montage of these just crazy groups gearing up you know loading their weapons and it's all done in slow motion and all that looks really good and it had me like really pumped you know i was like oh man these people are fucked (laughs) but then like they don't really capitalize on it because it's really only two groups that go after the the survivors or whatever you want to call them yeah, hmm. This just sounds all all sorts of weird. To I me. keep I keep comparing it, it to sounds... the Warriors because it is very similar to that. Do they throughout the movie? Do they cut? Do they ever just randomly cut to a guy just like sitting on his couch eating Cheetos, watching TV, like to give you another 
another viewpoint of the of the purge. No. Because I'd like to just think of that one guy that's just like the purge is just like any other day. <laughs> He's just sitting home eating Cheetos and watching Cartoon Network. No, they don't really do that. It seems like this would be this movie would be more funny if it was tongue in cheek. Maybe. And not with social political overtones. I kind of expected it to be a little more violent. I maybe I'm just desensitized because I watched <laughs> so many incredibly violent movies. It does, it does sound kind of disturbing. You talking about the purge like, oh, they they're gearing up and they're getting ready to kill people, and I'm so amped, and there's just not enough blood. Yeah, I, I okay. You, you, I'm a you monster. Need talk, you need to talk to somebody. <laughs> I'm a monster. What you can I say? <laughs> Well, with the movie called The Purge Anarchy, you expect anarchy. You expect you expect it to be crazy and violent and over the top. And yeah, there are certain scenes of violence. I mean, it's not like a it's not a kids movie, but <laughs> I don't know. I just I guess I expected more. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. And there's like so many things that happen in this movie. It's it's ridiculous. It's like there's a whole thing with the rich people, they go to their friend's apartment, and then uh, there's a whole sequence that happens in there, and then they're trying to get away from the government and these uh, this other group, and it's just so packed with stuff. Jam-packed with stuff. See, yeah, it's, it kind of sounds like they overcompensated. Yeah, I the, think, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what one? it is. That's exactly what they did. I wonder if it was kind of like mean-spirited, too. Like, everyone was bitching about the first one, so they're like, well, fuck you guys. We're just gonna we're just gonna jam pack it with stuff. I don't know. It, I think it's doing very well at the box office, and I think it has like a fifty something on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's pretty. I, I was bored by it, honestly. But Which I think I th- it's the last thing you want with a movie called The Purge. But I think a lot of people are liking this. So you know, if you liked the first one, you'll definitely like this one because it's way better. Okay, I'll leave it at that. I do have a, a full review of this up on the site. All right. So if I had to pick between The Purge and Planes, Fire, and Rescue, which one should I see? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see Planes, Fire, and Rescue. <laughs> but uh, I'd probably still... I'd go with The Purge. Or Sex Tape. I could see Sex Tape. I'd probably still go with The Purge. God. Well, I mean, I did. Like, I, I, I could have seen any one of those three movies, and I chose The Purge. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, speaking of movies that you expected more out of, Mean Streets, Martin Scorsese. I never saw Mean this. Streets. I never I saw this. I, I did. Apparently, I haven't either. Which I was kind of surprised to find out that I have not seen Mean Streets. I don't know how that happened, but apparently <laughs> it did, and I rectified it this week. So this is the first time Scorsese works with De Niro, mm-hmm. and holy shit, they just unleashed De Niro in this movie. He just he just balls to the wall, just goes off, and it's unbelievable to watch. Now, the first half of the movie is, to be quite honest, it's just really boring. It's, you know, Little Italy, these small-time gangster thugs or whatever the hell they want to call them, essentially just walk around Little Italy, finding people that owe them money, talk about other people that owe them money. They themselves owe people money, and it's just nonstop dialogue about people owing other people (laughs) money and it is oh my god it's it's irritating it's nauseating almost because that's all they talk about for like the first half of the movie and 
you just wanted to do something you wanted to go somewhere and it, on top of that the the camera work isn't really that great either there's nothing really holding you in outside of you know de niro being de niro and for whatever reason something happens like halfway through it just completely flips it's it's almost as if scorsese like realized it and was like fuck it let's just let's do everything let's just experiment the hell out of this movie <clears throat> and it just gets it multiplies and in how interesting it becomes because i was completely not into it at all i was like wow this is an extremely disappointing movie and then all of a sudden it just flips and i'm like holy shit this movie is amazing just all the camera work just becomes incredible handheld tracking shots and then he would just flip the point of view like mid conversation and then start up with tracking shots from the new point of view. He would have cameras tilted upwards, downwards. They Kaitel, Harvey Kaitel gets drunk at a party, so they strap the camera in front of him and he sort of just stumbles around while this ridiculous song plays by the the chips which you should make the outro music because that song is unbelievable. Okay. It's so it's so ridiculous. It's something, something biscuit, something biscuit. I'll find it. Yeah, you find it because it's unbelievable. And De Niro just goes absolutely crazy. He owes people money, and he doesn't care that he owes these people money. And he just he starts throwing explosives around New York City. He's just shooting guns at people and places. He just he loses it. He just becomes unhinged, and it's unbelievable to watch. So, first half of the movie, kind of terrible. Second half of the movie, unbelievable. Hmm. I just wish that the second half was the entire movie, and then it would have been great. Because the story is it's just really pointless, to be quite honest. I mean, De Niro owes people money, and he's not paying them back. That's the gist of it. And various other people owe other people money, and then those people owe other people money, and you just don't care. Because why do they keep giving money to these people? <laughs> They're never getting paid back. Stop lending money. I don't get it. I don't know. So I, I highly recommend that one. Just to see De Niro. De Niro just killing it left and right. Harvey Keitel is pretty good in it too. I will I will see that someday. Someday. It's it's quite good. Alright. Do you have any others you wanted to mention? Uh, I do not, no. Okay. Before we get into our first review, I want to thank our sponsor this week, Spoilericity. You can go to spoilericity.com now. Kevin, how often have you been apprehensive in watching a trailer because you don't want it to give anything away? Let's All use, the time. Let's use Under the I Skin. Under the Skin as an example. I don't, like, I don't watch trailers. You're worried. You're worried that I don't want to have this trailer spoil the movie. And I think that that's a really big point of contention nowadays because each movie has like five six seven trailers and by the time you see all of them you've seen like 30 minutes of the movie and there's movies like the the amazing spider-man 2 is a great example where there's part of that trailer is the last scene in the movie now when you see the trailer you take it out of context and you don't really realize that it's a spoiler but if you're concerned about that then spoilericity is the site you want to go to. So how this works is you you head over to spoilericity.com and they have a list of tons of trailers on here and you can take a look to see the it gives a percentage rate 
on how bad this trailer spoils the movie. Mm-hmm. And they use this uh, algorithm called a spoiler gone. And it kind of tells you what kind of spoilers are in this trailer. And if you see a movie, you can go onto the site and submit the spoilers for that trailer and let other people know this is a safe trailer to watch. This is not a safe trailer to watch. Okay. Okay. So, for instance, Mood Indigo, which we're about to talk about, that's at a 56% spoiler rating for the trailer. So it so that means that it contains some spoilers. It it contains so, more more spoilers than than not. So you might okay. want to be a little apprehensive about watching the trailer for Mood Indigo. Now if and if you click on it, it shows you kind of the when it shows the spoiler gone thing, it kind of has different areas that that might be spoilers and in this one main character arcs that's that's kind of what it's heading yeah. towards which i would agree i just watched the trailer for mood indigo and i would agree that some of the main character arcs in the trailer could be looked at as spoilery that's a that's a tough job you gotta watch all these trailers well that that's that's the beauty of the site is that it's user driven so you see you see a movie there you go you see a trailer for this movie and you're like okay that's a safe one and you just go on the spoilericity.com rate it and say this is a safe one to watch this isn't a safe one to watch and let other people know there you go okay now i know how it works yeah they have it so just head on over to spoilericity.com that's s-p-o-i-l-e-r-i-c-i-t-y.com and start watching some trailers and rating some trailers. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our first <laughs> review of the day, Mood Indigo. This is oh, the boy. new film by Michelle Gondry. Draft House Films is putting this bad boy out. Fucking Draft House Films. Killing it. Killing wrecking, it left and right. Wrecking shop This uh, year. So, so this, this is year. currently playing in limited release right now. I have a synopsis here. Wealthy, inventive bachelor Colin endeavors to find a cure for his lover chloe after she's diagnosed with an unusual illness caused by a flower growing in her lungs correct (laughs) (laughs) uh yes so you have a review for this up on the site i did not read it because i knew that we were going to be reviewing it i did see the score though so that 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 pretty much indicates how you feel about this so i'll start it off now I like Michelle Gondry's work. Pretty much everything that he's done, I liked. I wasn't a wasn't a big fan of Sound of uh, was it Sound of Sleep? Science of Sleep. Science of Sleep. Sorry, I wasn't a big fan of that one. I just it didn't hold me. I was I don't know the story didn't yes. grab me. Uh, however, this one ones. from from the beginning, and I think it's interesting that we're discussing this movie because last week we talked about the Zero Theorem, and I think that. It's interesting that we're doing these kind of back to back because a lot of the things I liked about Zero Theorem I let it, were the reasons that I liked this movie. Only in this movie they take everything I liked about the Zero Theorem and amp it up like a hundred percent. So this movie will probably cause my score on Zero Theorem to drop. Ooh, but I hate when that happens, yeah. And it's interesting. It's also interesting because. I was writing down, as I was watching this, I was like, 
trying to jot down notes and of, of specific things that I liked. And it got to be, I had to stop doing it because there were so many things that my, I was just tired of writing. Yeah. Yes. This is from the onset. As soon as it starts, you realize that this is not going to be a movie for everyone. And it is not no. going to be the kind of movie that is really grounded in any kind of reality. No, the, the whole, let's be honest. Fuck reality. The, the whole thing is kind of boring. The whole thing feels like a dream. The, yes. It's like the whole movie is basically a dream. Yeah, it's like a surrealism fantasy world. The the opening reminded me of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Actually, <laughs> I didn't think of that. Now that you say that, it's it does feel a it lot. It reminds like that. me a lot of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Even like the dancing and the shoes and all that stuff. They're just. Oh, I think that there were a lot of shades of Pee Wee in there. Shades of Pee Wee. <laughs> Um, I also uh, feel like this is going to be a review where we, it's just us talking about the, the specific shots and special effects that we liked. <laughs> Cause that's, that's what happens. I noticed that like in comedies, we just, you know, re, yeah, re, we read kinda, off lines that we yeah, liked we kinda, and we kind of we devolve into just quoting, quoting the movie. Well, because at the end of the day, we're just nerdy know. little fanboys who get yeah. excited over things like, you know, stop motion and stuff walking, like that. Yeah, walking tables. And how, how do you not get excited about walking tables? Come on. So I don't think I liked it as much as you, although I did like it a lot. You gave, So you gave this a 10 out of 10. 10 this out of 10. This, this is the second 10 out of 10 this year. So this is up there where so far I'm flipping back and forth of what my favorite movie of the year is, is it Mood Indigo, The Carefree Love Story, <laughs> or <laughs> The Raid 2, where people kick and punch each other for two and a half hours. Well, I think that they're both... <sighs> I think that they're both amazing achievements in their own in their own way. I just love how my, my, two, my two top <laughs> films of the year are complete opposites. Well, this... So, if I'm, like, in a romantic mood... Mood Indigo would be would be my number one, but then if it's you know the next day I feel like kicking and punching people, mm -hmm. the Raid Two is my number one. It's kind of how it works. So I take it that the big draw for you, <clears throat> the reason for your ten out of ten, has to be the visuals in this movie. It's half visuals, only half. half. Well, yeah, half visuals and half of the story. But then the way that the two are tied together is really what did it for me. The way that, you know, as the, the story progresses... The visuals really complement yes, what's happening. The, the, way, the way that the, the, the love story develops and goes through all of its different stages and how the visuals are affected by what stage they're at in the love story, I just thought that, that was brilliant. The way that he executed that is just unbelievable. I will agree. I... I thought the story was a bit lacking. I wasn't really that interested in the story. The like their their courtship and their marriage and all of that stuff felt very rushed to me. Like it felt mm -hmm. like they just got through that that part of their lives really quickly. Yeah. And this is a movie that I feel when you when you sit back and look at it, it covers everything that could possibly happen in a relationship 
You know, it's it's everything from beginning to end. I mean, you have money problems, you have illness, you have, you know, the carefree, happy-go-lucky days of uh, dating yeah. and how, how that feels when you first meet that person and fall in love and and then, you know, what, what happens at the yeah. end. Which is what I love about how I was saying earlier about how he ties in the, the visuals to it. Because during that whole beginning portion, you know, the honeymoon phase and right. the young puppy love and everything's just bursting with imagination. It's just colors everywhere. The very colors warm lighting. Everywhere. Yeah. Everything's just happy. go lucky. It's just nonstop. And then, you know, as it, the, the love story starts to shift and starts to get more serious in tone, you, you start losing more and more of that color. Oh well, yeah. I don't think the creativity yeah. sort of disappears a little bit and, I just loved that whole transition, the way that he did that. I don't I think it's it a brilliant. big spoiler to say that the end of the entire end of the film is black and white. Yeah, it's it's slowly like morphs into like sepia tone, and then moves to black and white. It's just the way that they he did that because you almost don't notice it at first until you're into it a little bit deeper. You're suddenly sort of like, oh yeah, what happened to all the happiness and the color? Well, Where'd that go? That's interesting because I. I noticed it right away. Like I, oh. I was, oh. it was to me, it was a little bit too on the nose. Oh, okay. I found it a, to me. be a little bit jarring. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's for me. I, at least I didn't notice it first. Yeah. For some reason, I don't I mean, know. but, but, it, maybe... but it wasn't a negative though. Like I, I do want to preface that. Like I noticed it, but it wasn't a problem. I liked what they did now, with that. Another thing that could be, the reason for that is because maybe I was invested more in the story. Could be. That's probably what it was. You did say, yeah, because you did say that you weren't really into the story. And as that's much. the th- yeah. That's the interesting thing is I was focusing on trying to pick out all the little things because this is a movie that it's is just, cluttered just, with stuff going on, and yeah, I can see everywhere. I can see that that being a problem for some people because it, was, it, it actually was for me a little bit in the beginning like it was a bit jarring at first because you're it's just like non-stop oh it's so like f- one yeah. one psych gag after another after another after another and you know experimental camera work and it was just like whoa man calm it down yeah and at, at one point at the beginning i was okay with it but maybe 20 or 30 minutes in i started to get tired and i was like oh my god like it's it's exhausting i cannot i am just i am exhausted at this point like it's kind of it's like the movie form of like a five-year-old like a rambunctious five-year-old like this kid is so awesome and then you know 20 minutes later you're like holy shit this kid doesn't stop yeah i just wanted to take a nap like halfway (laughs) through this movie i just needed a nap because it was just it was too much it was it was like michelle gondry took a bunch of speed and was like, you know what? <laughs> Every single idea that comes into my head is going in this movie. It is going to be everything. But that being said, it was astounding to see some of the stuff in this movie, like the inventions and how everything was done practically. And you're just <laughs> like, how the hell did they do that? It looks incredible. Like the, I was just blown away blown away by a lot of the visual elements of this movie i enjoyed yeah it's just like you said it's just non-stop 
how the fuck did he pull that off? How did he do that? Yeah. I mean, crawling doorbells and walking tables. and Yeah. It's like he, <laughs> he uses like projections and he makes these crazy contraptions and mechanical things. And he's got stop motion in there. And I mean, it was just, and I read uh, something on IndieWire that said that the, the, what's it called? The piano cocktail. Yeah. He, they actually made that. Like that yeah. was a that was a real thing, and he said it took them several months to figure out how to get that to work. See, that's what I love. <laughs> I love I love that dedication to imagination. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It was great. I love the the walking doorbell creature thing. Yeah, it's just I've been wanting. And this is what I love about Gondry is occasionally I just want I want like nothing but imagination and creativity i just want someone to go wild and he does and he just the way that he does it is unbelievable yeah i agree I agree. but then it, and then not only that the way that he shifts it later on you know taking it into the, the more serious it yeah and this, mood, it was like oh shit it does Man, get dark this movie has everything this movie gets really it dark. gets really dark and i didn't see it until they were at the the ice rink scene when it people start dying and well like, that's what i and there's like blood all over the rink and they're skating through the blood that's what i love about this movie is because they're so in love that they don't even notice that stuff yeah it's just completely ignorant of it i mean people are getting shot in the face there's people being crushed and run over there's all sorts of stuff going on i like how he got a job at heating ray gun parts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that whole thing. I was just like, what the, f- what the hell is this? And making chromed carrots yeah. was the other guy's job being the foreman where a lot of people die there oh, as well. Very disturbing scene. Gruesome. Very gruesome. And it's just, it's interesting because I don't know how uh, familiar you are with Boris Beyond. Who, this is based off of his right, novel. I- both yeah. of the daydream and all that stuff is in Vion's novel like the piano cocktail and he's such a surrealist writer he makes all these crazy contraptions and it was just it was beautiful to see Gondry being the one that brings all of it to life because I think he did a perfect perfect job of it I don't think there's really anyone else that could do this now yeah. I've, I've not read Froth of the Daydream the only one I've read is uh, Heart Snatcher which it was cool to see a Heart Snatcher in action Mm-hmm. I love the office with the typewriters on the track. That, oh yeah, like the it just looked so cool. Of- I loved that. And one of my favorite things that they did was uh, towards the end when I I, I don't want to give anything away, but some something happens and uh, she's laying in bed and it looks like it's a projector that's projecting a, a specific image on the wall and. They use he uses strings to uh, mimic the light, oh, yes. the rays of light, like that uh, the projector goes through, and it looks so good. I was just like, "Holy shit!" It's uh, I, that was one of my favorite parts too, the rays of sunshine, and how like in the beginning they were, you know, they were playing it like music, like like a stringed mm-hmm, instrument mm-hmm. and stuff. That was fantastic, and what, you know the one scene where they're trying to have like a conversation, and the ray keeps. Yeah, to, like hit her in the head. And he has to shoot it out of the way. Yeah, I like that. I did not like anything with the mouse. 
Not into any of that. The, the didn't mouse work. was a bit didn't a work bit for much. Me. He was a bit much. Yeah, that's that stuff didn't work for me. I did love Omar Sy. I thought Omar Sy is unbelievable in this movie, and the way that he would clean up the table. <laughs> I don't know why. Just squeegee it right off onto the floor. All the dishes break for whatever reason. That just made me. I just lost it. Yeah, every I think time. sometimes it was on like a conveyor belt, wasn't it? Wasn't the table? Yeah, he would only. just he would just just hit it off. Enjoyed that. He's he plays Bishop in the new X Men movie. Does he? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, he's and he's good in it. Oh shit! Um, the other the other person in this movie, uh, Gad Emily. 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 Sure. I have no idea. Plays his friend him. Chick. He's obsessed with what is it, John Soulpart? Yeah. Instead of John Pulsart. Yeah. And now he creates the. What's he trying to do? Create like a uh, a he creates a pill where you hear. You hear it in your head? Yeah, he's trying to get all of... He's obsessed with the work of part, and he wants to get every single thing he can get his hands on. And it comes in various, various different ways. Prescription form and pill form. Uh, what? Toward, at the very end, he's like... He's inhaling it as a vapor. It's like it's in steam form. <laughs> that guy... I like that guy. He's, uh, he's like really famous over in france i don't know if you remember he was on um uh comedians in cars getting coffee oh really yeah because he actually did the voice in the dubbed the french dubbed version of b movie he oh, okay. he did the voice of seinfeld's character the b oh i gotcha oh man we're learning so much yeah they they call him he's the french jerry seinfeld like, well, I, apparently his now... comedy is similar well, now I need to see everything he's ever done because <laughs> I thought he was fantastic in this. Yeah, yeah, he was he was great. I pretty much enjoyed everyone, but much like you, the I think the only one I really didn't like was the mouse. I don't know if that was it's not really the guy's fault. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like the acting. I just didn't like. They show it a lot. Like the mouse is a pretty big character in this movie, and just a lot of times it wasn't. Eh, it just didn't do it for me. Uh, one of the other scenes that I liked a lot was the X-ray. The scene with the X-ray, yes, that effect was really cool looking. But I just, again, I liked every scene. Yeah, again, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I liked every. I could scene. list off. I could probably list off a hundred things, a hundred special effects shots, and and different things in this movie that that were great. Now, one thing I wanted to to ask you about is this movie is is not being very well received by critics. And I was mm. I was going to ask mm. what you think the reason behind that is and what your take on that is. Uh, I don't know. I Like you said, it's definitely not a film for everyone. And if it's, it kind of depends on where you're, what you expect out of movies, like where, where it lies. Like if you're a guy that's really, you know, a man or a woman that's really into the narrative aspect of it, mm-hmm. you could, I could definitely see people not liking it that much. But me personally, and you know this, is that I just want creativity. Just hands down, I just want it everywhere. And I'd love to see it. Because I think that that's what film is for in the first place. I don't think it's really for storytelling. I can get that from novels. So that's what immediately hooked me and made me absolutely love it. It was just, you know, seeing all this stuff play out on screen. I was giddy like a little kid. But I actually thought the story was fantastic. And how he 
worked with it and where it went and the emotions that he was able to get out of it. Now, it's I can see people not enjoying it because of how surreal it can be. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, people, for the most part, aren't really into surrealism. Yeah. I think... So I, I would say that that's the biggest factor. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand that though. Like, and, and I did look at Rotten Tomatoes at some of the negative reviews, and there were people complaining about how it's not a like it defies logic and it's See, not I think believable. It's, well, it's, <laughs> it's fucking like, surrealism. It's like wait, wait a minute. Uh, it's wh- surrealism. It's not. It's supposed to defy logic. It's supposed to be set in a fantasy world. Yet everything that happens is still it's still relatable because essentially, you know, his marriage starts to fall apart because they don't have enough time for each other because he's too busy out looking for a job and can't give her the love and affection that she needs and their marriage crumbles. That's what happens. So it's actually if you take if you strip all away all the surrealism, it's it's actually a very straightforward story underneath. It's just instead of you know, him getting a normal job, he gets a job heating ray guns with chromed acorns. You know what I mean? It's just replace that with him getting a job at, uh, you know, like... Radio Shack. Yeah, Radio Shack at the shack. It's the same thing. It's just you take the monotony of reality and just switch it into something fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. It's I think that maybe the biggest thing that people are having a problem with is not necessarily the over the top surrealist imagery, but the amount of it, the breakneck uh, pace with which the craziness is, is happening in this movie. Yeah. Cause you can definitely, I would imagine that if those people read the original novel, they would have the same qualms. Like they, you know, they wouldn't like the original novel because by the sound of it, Gondry's, keeps pretty uh, true to the novel. Mm. So, the, I mean, the novel itself is extremely surrealist and just nonstop surrealism throughout. So, you gave this a 10 out of 10. I am going to give this a 9 out of 10. Ooh. I, oh boy. I love this movie. I thought it was, even though I think that this, this story was a little bit lacking... And I thought that the characters were a little bit lacking, too. I wasn't really that infatuated with either character. Like, I felt like I didn't know a lot about them. There wasn't a lot to latch on to, especially uh, uh, Audrey Tateau. I didn't feel like I knew enough about her to Mm. care that she has a plant growing in her lungs. I just, I felt like there wasn't enough time spent with them before this tragedy struck now see that's again well again maybe it was because i was more enthralled with the story because i i'm the opposite i thought that i really connected with the characters so when the the dramatic shift in mood sort of comes about it affected me a lot more it seems like than it did you yeah it, it didn't it didn't really evoke any kind of emotional response from me whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> but it, which is funny because it, normally movies do that. I am easily manipulated by movies. I gave Wish I Was Here seven and a half out of ten. So because of that, yeah, I, I am very easily manipulated by movies. But for whatever reason, this one didn't. It didn't really do that 
for me. I guess there wasn't a very strong connection. And maybe on a rewatch, that will happen. I think a lot of times it just has to do with your mindset and when you yeah. go into a movie like that. I just find it really interesting the way that it's sort of structured in the in the surrealist world. How, like I said, it's just, you know, standard love story that starts out full of passion and excitement and, you know, they're just ignorant to the world around them because they're so infatuated with each other. And then life gets in the way and it just sort of falls apart. And I like that. I like that story. Go see it. Go see Mood Indigo. I think that fans of Michelle Gondry will not be displeased with this one because this is the most Michelle Gondry movie I have ever seen. <laughs> it's the Gondriest. It is the Gondriest Gondry movie that ever Gondried. <laughs> uh, yes, correct. Let's one move on. Friends. Go see. Go see. Go see it. Mood Indigo. It's playing <laughs> in select cities now. Don't let those. No. Don't and let go, that Rotten Tomatoes score dissuade you from seeing this movie. That's right. And then go read some Boris Beyond too. If you're into whimsy and dreamlike visuals that are really out there and fun and goofy, just go see it. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to our next review. The Reconstruction of William Zero. Now, this is premiering at this year's Fantasia Fest in Montreal. Uh, this is direct, written and directed by Dan Bush, and it stars uh, Conal Byrne and Amy Simetz. I have a synopsis here. A geneticist wakes up from an accident with only fragments of his memory, is forced to relearn who he is via his twin brother. But as he digs deeper, he discovers he might not be who he thought at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Oof. So, Kevin, what did you think of the reconstruction of William Zero? Now, this is going to be a really hard movie to talk about without giving it's, things away. It's, oh, this is a tough one. Because I, I initially liked it. Like, right off the bat, you know, as the story grew, I, was, I found it very interesting. I wanted to see where it, wanted to, where it was going to go. But it just didn't really seem to go anywhere, unfortunately. And it just sort of kept redoing or rediscussing prior points that it's already made and it just kind of kind of got boring after a while a little bit dull a little dull i don't really understand anyone's like any of the characters motivations it's like what it, they were trying to accomplish it all seems very drastic doesn't it yeah <laughs> like it's it, like the decisions that he makes you're just like man he is really i mean for what <laughs> you know yeah like why it seems it also just seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Like for like you essentially you essentially happen. want to get away and this is this is how you do it. <laughs> you know. Like Yeah, I don't quite understand that. And I also I found it odd, but I also enjoyed it a little bit is you know, in the synopsis that you just read it said that he woke up from an accident and you know, they sort of go through that when he wakes up and he explains the accident and everything. And then like Five minutes later, oh, yeah. they just throw that all. They throw well, all that, well, out. and that was the thing. <laughs> and they just they tell him exactly what happened. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, Why? with it, like sit, before they even did the reveal, I knew. I mean, yeah, like, you know, right off, right the bat. off the bat, you know what it is. It's not a secret. It's not a spoiler or anything. And and 
So within like the first two minutes, I knew what was going on, but I was like, I I really hope that that's not the big reveal of this I, movie because that, that's why I said I liked it because I was I was worried because I was like, well, number one, your execution of it is terrible. So I hope that you don't try and, <laughs> and I, you know, uh, yeah, I was, ve- the, I was very glad when they got that out of the way and and kind of let the viewer know like no this isn't the secret this isn't yeah what's going on here uh, yeah, so it's more so of why why is he doing this right right and then there's another there's another pretty big twist at the very end as well yeah which i didn't quite understand that at all i maybe yeah. I something i must have missed something cuz that didn't make any sense to me but I, anyways i liked the uh, overall i liked it i thought that it was it was kind of a a fun indie sci-fi movie it the thing about it is it makes you think to a certain degree but it's almost as if dan bush doesn't want you to think that much like he wants to do some of the thinking for you yeah there are there's several scenes where there's so there's a lot of just walks you through right yeah unfortunately there's there's a lot of scenes where you know uh, he'll he'll be having a conversation and we'll be seeing how it transpired and all that stuff on the screen while it's done in voiceover and a lot of the stuff gets spelled out for you which some of it i i'm okay with i'm okay with it but the only problem i had with you know that sort of dispensing of information is i just thought it was done too often right it was just like anytime there's like okay we got to get a large chunk of this information out of here like this backstory what happened okay let's have him break into a, a voiceover narration and we'll just put some shots in of the past yeah i mean they that's, do that's it like, how we'll handle it they probably do it like th- maybe three times yeah throughout I just the movie it was, and it, and it always a bit too much it always happens like rate after there's a twist that occurs so it's like yeah. it doesn't it, it almost to me it felt like you're not giving me enough time to figure this out on my own no. you know what i mean like there'll be th- something happens in the movie and while i'm piecing it together myself it's like oh wait you're not you're not thinking fast enough here here's what it is it's like a record scratch <laughs> this is what let it just, is yeah let me just explain to you real quick what happened now like, i don't I know it out on my own first maybe so we were given a screener of this, so I don't know if this is was an issue with the screener, but I thought that the sound mixing was really poorly done. And well, the, I, that was something that I wanted to ask you is like what because this is playing at the festival is you know like what at what point is this movie at? Yeah, well, like, pr- production wise, because yeah, I had some issues with the the audio too, and also there was a couple of scenes where people would come to the main character's house and when they would have the camera from inside the house facing out it looked green screened it looked very bizarre like when silence comes to the door like everything behind her looks extremely fake yeah i don't know if this was some sort of rough cut or what that we saw i they they didn't give me any indication that this was a rough cut and normally they do let us know (laughs) that that's the case yeah if if this is the final product, the sound mixing is really poor. The mm. uh, like a lot of it just sounds eighty yard, and the it doesn't seem natural. Doesn't feel natural, especially anytime they're outside having conversations. 
it all sounds like it was done in voiceover and it just it wasn't mixed well mm, yeah, yeah so i don't i don't know if i don't want to knock the movie if it's if they aren't finished with that yet but the version it's, that it's, i saw that's, that's it, something that they it was a problem at least like it was it was, a, it was a real problem go ahead and go ahead and fix that if you could now on the other hand i thought the performances were actually oh yeah really yeah. solid that was i mean Amy Simons, you and I are both big fans of hers. I think that she's great in everything that she's in. And uh, William, played by Conal Byrne, was, I thought he was great. Even at the very beginning, I could tell that this guy was going to put a good performance. Uh, the scene where he was, where he first woke up and he was crying and they told the joke and stuff, like, I thought that was great. <laughs> it was fantastic. And I love how, you know, he essentially plays three characters in this right and i like how for each character he you know he just put in like little nuances i see so that there are three separate characters yet there's the same at the mm-hmm. it was it was interesting to see how he did that and i, and I, I do want to i want to come back to that in just a second but for for people that see this movie that are familiar with the show orphan black you'll there's a lot of similarities going on with that and unfortunately orphan black handles everything in a much better way see i didn't have i didn't have any knowledge of orphan black so of course orphan black is a tv series they have the time to develop the characters and you know they they have more time to work with how it all works and stuff like that but yeah it's uh it was done pretty well i don't know what we're looking at as far as budget but i thought that they did a really good job of making us believe that it was two different people in the same yes. shot. Yes. And I don't know how they how they do that these days with technology, but Orphan Black does it too. It's in, to me it's incredible. Like it still it still blows my mind anytime <laughs> there's a shot of, you know, the same person. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's very them. like I'm sure these days it's really simple. Like it's I, I know, but it still blows the me away. composite it or something, but it was just really impressive how you can see because I remember like back in the day when it would be the same person on screen, like you'd have to be really careful about how close they were to each other, yeah. you know, like standing and and you could you could almost never do uh, scenes where they actually contact one another, like if they hug or shake hands or whatever. And if they did, you'd have to cut it so that you, they could use a, a body double. But these days, man, these people are doing it left and right. Yeah, they're just throwing it in movies that don't even need it sometimes. But I still, I still like freak out like a little kid when it happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like I'm always going to be amazed by it. You got to just like you I get, throw you my have hands to see up Orphan in there. Black then. And I'm like, oh my god, how did you do that? In Orphan Black, they do it, but with like four characters magic. that are all the same person. And <laughs> it's incredible. It's, it's fucking magic in the screen. How do they do it? It's the magic of movies, Kevin. Oh, my God. It's a beautiful thing. Movies are wonderful. Now, I want to talk about... Uh, we basically just... The, the the Orphan Black comment basically gave away uh, what what's going on in this movie. But again, I don't think that that is it's, the reveal. I don't think that that's It's kind of weird because they don't... There doesn't really seem to be anything in this movie that comes across as a reveal. At least to me, anyways, when I was watching it. Well, Nothing was, you know, it's sort of presented as like this big reveal. Well, you can, it, 
yeah, you can figure out because they ref they they make sure that you know about the different specimens and what's happening to them. Yeah. So you can easily piece it together. Well, plus, I mean, you can sort of do it with just the guy plays three characters and he's a geneticist. Yeah. So I mean, like that right there sort of spoils it for you. You kind of know. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and this is uh, just kind of a question I wanted to pose to you, because it was something I was thinking about as I was watching this movie, because it is kind of a love story, too. Mm-hmm. In a way, it was about his relationship with his wife, played by Amy Simetz, and uh, a tragedy that occurred in their past. Uh, but they're they're still married, but they're separated. Do, if you think... So if you implant someone with memories, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. will do you think the, the emotion would carry over into that as well? Uh, I don't. Because that was, that was one of so. the things that I was wondering about as i was watching the movie and it was something that i never i never thought about before i have i'm not really sure but i would to me it would seem as though you could implant those memories and he you know they sort of show you how they do it where he goes through everything with them sort of like a sort of almost like a class on himself Mm -hmm. but you would think that those synapses that are created for those memories aren't as strong as they would be with the original because you've had you know, 35 years or whatever to develop those synapses and then the strengthen them and strengthen right. them with new memories and the emotions that were with you at that time when that memory was created. And that's the thing. You that, wouldn't have that, I don't think. I'm wondering if when it carries over, if the emotions that were attached to those memories also carry over. In other words, can you clone love? And that's, I don't think you can. And that's that was like the one kind of burning question that I was pondering as I was watching this movie. And I think it's really interesting because I never thought about something like that before. I did find it also interesting that of the two, that they're they're different. You know, he's getting different results well, with them. Like the one guy. Yeah. The one guy's really nice. Right. You know, and the other guy is. We also have not, to look. Not so much. We also have to look at how how they kind of came to be and what happened yes, to exactly. those versions because one one of them was terrible yeah. what happened to him yeah he had a, a bit of a rough go with it yeah one a couple another thing that i was wondering is how's their hair the same exact same haircut exact same haircut yeah really maybe but, he but cut i mean it what, he, he cut hair is is he probably did does the hair grow to be the exact same i just uh, that that was another question i had Hair, the hair. What's going on? <laughs> and the other thing I noticed—it's just a weird little thing. I just wanted—I thought it was cool. The microscope that they use in the movie—I have that exact microscope. Do you? Yeah. My girlfriend, you... my girlfriend's uh, birthday was the end of May, and she wanted a microscope for her birthday. <laughs> so, what did she want a microscope? So I got for? this like super nice, uh, like LED microscope, and it was the exact one as in that movie. Really? Yeah. Nice. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know why she wanted a microscope. She just wanted to look at stuff. Is she doing a lot of lab work? Uh, does she work? Does she work with Ryan on stuff? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe she's got like a basement lab hidden hidden in a closet. That'd be funny if she does because Ryan has all those centrifuges. Yeah. Yeah. I don't huh. know. Maybe. Maybe that's, she's that's working with them on something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, microscopes. 
I also enjoyed uh, Back to the Movie. The there's several scenes of I thought perfectly executed comedy. I for whatever reason they just the way that they were delivered, I just thought was hilarious. Like when him not knowing how to eat cereal. Oh yeah, that was funny. <laughs> he brought that up a couple times. And another thing that I don't understand is he wants the other guy to sort of take over for him, and he tells him, you know, you got to go to work. If, mm-hmm. But he knows nothing about science, so that's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, like, that was the other thing. I was like, why is gonna... this guy going to go to work as a geneticist? You know, it'd be one thing if he was a janitor or something that is but, uh, a, a skill that's really easy to learn. It's funny because, you know, he gave him all these memories, but he didn't, you know, give him like a precursory, like, run through of genetics. You know, like if you really well, you want this also, guy to take over for you, wouldn't you give him just like a crash course real quick? Well, like, I mean, okay, these are the these are the experiments that we're running, and this is what we're running into. Because he gets there, and they're like the dogs. He's like dogs. Yeah. What What do you mean? It's like sh- well, that didn't work. And also, you'd think that he would at least tell him who the people are in his life. <laughs> you know, like oh, this is this is uh, what's the guy's name? Baxter. Yeah, yeah. This is Baxter. You work with him in the lab. This is, you know, this person, that person. Just give him, just, just yeah. give him a little bit to go on here. This person is your boss. You know, something to work with, because that falls apart as soon as he goes into work. Yeah, and he looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, the Good reconstruction stuff. of William Zero. Final thoughts. It's interesting, um, but I thought it, you know. The motivations are lacking. Like, I don't really understand why any of this is happening. It's funny. And for the most part, it seems like the characters themselves don't understand why any of this is happening. It's funny because this is the exact way that I felt about another Dan Beers directed movie, The Signal, which came out. Not It's not that, that signal, the new one. It's another oh, signal. Damn Bush. Yeah. he Well, he directed one of the parts. It was, that movie was like told in three parts he directed Mm. one of them gotcha it was cool it was a cool movie but i felt kind of the same way about this movie i am going to score the reconstruction of william zero a hmm i didn't i didn't write down a score previously before doing this so i'm on the fly i'm gonna say six six well five and a half or six i'll say six I know that's what I'm. That's, I'm flipping back and forth on five and six. So I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say that it's a five six. Okay. Or six five. <laughs> five six or six five. One or the other. There we go. I still recommend checking it out if you're into these kind of indie sci-fi's. It was Correct. fun. It was yeah. interesting. I would. I would recommend it. Yeah, it's interesting. I just. I wish it would have been developed a little bit more. But for what it is, pretty solid. Yeah. I, I wish that they wouldn't have telegraphed a lot of it to that us. That was the biggest problem that I had. Yeah. I, I just don't like when movies do that. It's insulting. Stop it. <laughs> I agree. All right. Let's <clears throat> talk about some predictions. The Purge Anarchy, you said 42. I said 52. Actual 53. Mm. And Sex Tape, you said 8. I said 24. Actual 19. Who, who liked this? Who liked this? I want answers. Actually, it looks like it has 20 now since I marked who, it down. Who? Uh, who liked this? David, David Edelstein. Edelstein. 
Are you kidding me, dude? David Edelstein, wow. Wow. Mm. He hates a lot. He he doesn't like a lot of stuff. I'm surprised that he liked this. Un- unbelievable. Hmm. Leonard Maltin liked it, of course. What, does Leonard Maltin never not like a movie? Uh, usually. Yeah, I mean, he likes Snow Dogs, didn't he? Yeah. Usually if it's shitty, he likes it. <laughs> I'm sure that he's yeah. looking at those with different but you know it, from a different also, perspective i also gotta say i didn't i didn't read his review his review could probably actually be right yeah because with rotten tomatoes it's it's kind of pointless really because you'll you know you'll see the tomato beside it and then you read the little blurb that they have it's like well that's not positive at all yeah and then you read the full <laughs> review and you're like okay well clearly he didn't like this movie at all <laughs> yeah it's like why is this a fresh yeah all right, next week we have Hercules, uh, the Brett Ratner-directed version oh, of Hercules. God. <laughs> this looks so bad. I'm so sick of these trailers, too. Uh, oh, uh, Lord. Boy. Uh, what are you thinking on Hercules? I'm thinking 18. I'll say 20. We also have Luc Besson's Lucy next week. It looks kind of interesting. I'm interested, but at the same time, give me a break. I mean, I I think that if you can control 100% of your brain, yes, you can probably do some crazy shit, but like the changing your eye color, your hair color, controlling time, like I I don't see that happening. You would not be able to do that. I don't think you could control time. In all honesty, I think if someone was able to possess 100% of the brain, they would probably commit suicide. Probably. I think it would just be too much. It would be like, um, you never saw Watchmen, did you? No. It'd be like the, the one guy in Watchmen can like control all of his brain. And... I do like that there's there's some people in this one. Got, uh, I, I'm going to go see it. Insect Choi and Pillow from, uh, what was that? What was the movie that was like, oh, Hijacking. The cook from Hijacking. Uh, uh, yeah, which I haven't seen. Uh, well, get on that. I know. Just Jesus. Some some of them fall through the cracks for me, okay? I can't see everything. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, Lucy, I'm going to say, oh, man. I'll say 52. Mm, I'm going to say 54. In limited release next week, we have the Fluffy movie. Oh, <laughs> oh boy oh. oh boy and so it goes which i saw a trailer for this i don't remember what movie i was seeing but i saw it in the theater worst trailer i've ever seen it is so bad you should watch the trailer for and so it goes because it is terrible i don't know if i want to well you'll laugh <laughs> it's it's rob reiner yeah what? Michael Douglas? Yeah. And it looks so terrible. Oh, my. Mm. Uh, a Most Wanted Man also comes out in limited release. About time. Magic in the Moonlight, the latest Woody Allen movie. It, which seems to just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, it, you huh? know, it's funny because like every other one of his movies, that's what happens. It'll just kind of come in and then leave. Because he, he comes out with a movie every year, so... yeah. It's like every other year, one will pop up and just kind of disappear. It's weird. Happy Christmas, uh, Very Good Girls, The Kill Team, 
which I'm interested in, Come Back to Me and Beneath, all limited release. Mm. Video on demand next week, we have Made in America, Skanks, which I love that title. (laughs) It's actually a documentary about a musical. I can't remember what festival that premiered, but I remember we got a screener for it and I didn't have time to watch it, so I didn't get to see it. Uh, documentary about amateur actors mm-hmm. creating a musical. drag musical in small town Alabama. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Looks interesting. Uh, we also have The Damned and Come Back to Me. Mm. It's not not, uh, not a very uh, good not no, a very good not, week. It's not much coming out. Yeah, not a very good week for VOD. On DVD and Blu-ray, however, there's a ton of stuff. We uh, have we All go. Cheerleaders Die which is the Lucky McKee one that I didn't like that everybody else seems to like. The Angriest Man in Brooklyn, which I think everybody hates. Uh, Blue Ruin, which you should definitely see if you haven't yet. Yes, yes. Cesar Chavez, that kind of that was one that kind of also didn't really make many waves. No. Dom Hemingway, know. another one that kind of came and went. That's the one with... with um, I'm, I'm, slightly in, I'm slightly interested in that one. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I just trailers I mean, didn't, not... trailers didn't do it for me. Heaven is for real. I know you're interested in that one. Sabotage. You know, I'm actually just waiting for all these religious movies to come out on DVD, and I'm just going to scoop all of them up, take a day off work, Ooh. and then just binge watch all of them at the same time. Purify yourself. That sounds good. Yep. Sabotage, which is the David Ayer one with Arnold. I don't think it got very good reviews. The Suspect, which is premiering at Fantasia. Well, it's not premiering, but it's next screening at Fantasia Fest. I will be seeing that this probably Uh this week or next week. And Tyler Perry's The Single Moms Club. Oh, okay. Sure. He's still a thing, huh? Well, he's in Gone Girl. That's right, he is. I think he's a good actor. I just think that... uh, his stuff is just not good. It's just overkill. It's just pandering to his fans at this point. But any criterions? Oh, we have two. We have two criterions. One is a Blu-ray re-release of Insomnia, the original Insomnia movie, and a box set, a Demi box set, which has my favorite. The Umbrellas of Cherbourg in there. Oh, boy. Got that bad boy in there. This is six movies. Six movies from the 60s, 70s, and one from 82. So fans of that Umbrella bullshit movie. (laughs) Enjoy. Uh, I think that that will wrap it up. We wrapped it. We wrapped it up. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. FilmPulse.net. My name's Adam. And I am Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Did you overhear of a wish sandwich?
Sorry, I was just mm. going through Leonard Moulton's. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing with David Osteen. <laughs> We're just going to stop got, the show for got, like 10 minutes got, to go through Leonard Moulton's reviews. Got sidetracked. <laughs>